How can we as moms and moms-to-be who are more overwhelmed and worried than ever about our kids find natural, safe, effective, and real-life ways to nurture and cultivate amazing human beings? That is the question, and here are the answers. This is the Parent Coffee Talk, and I'm Dr. Roseanne. I'm Dr. Cleopatra. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Parents Coffee Talk. We are here with a very special guest today, Katie Kimball. Of course, I'm Dr. Cleopatra, and this is Dr. Roseanne. Dr. Roseanne, can you introduce Katie Kimball for us? Sure. I would love to introduce my friend Katie Kimball because she does something really cool that I um, have been screaming from the rooftops for like my entire time of motherhood. Um, and then I meet her and she has a whole official program and that's teaching your kids not just to cook, but really to kind of become these like lovers of food and, mm-hmm. and to really be passionate about cooking so that they understand their own health. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing that I'm going to give her. Her official bio is Katie Kimball is a national voice on healthy kids cooking. She's a blogger. She's a former teacher. She's a mom of four kids. And she founded Kids Cook Real Food eCourse on her blog, Kitchen Stewardship. She helps families stay healthy without going kind of crazy. And she's on a mission to connect families around healthy food and teach every kid in America that they can cook. That's so good. You know, Katie, like my, both my kids, I mean, you know, food is our love language in Mm -hmm. Italian, in Italy, in in my culture, being a first generation American from Italy. My kids didn't even walk before they started putting spices on the food. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Same here. Right? And they just love food. They love Mm -hmm. food. They love to cook it. They know how to cook stuff on their own. Um, I started fully cooking by age seven. I was fully cooking using a stove. My little guy, five and a half, um, started using the gas stove. Yep. So, um, yeah. I remember worrying because my oldest son, Paul, was in like preschool, I think. I don't even think it was kindergarten yet. So he was like four and a half. And he drew this great picture, very detailed, of him standing at the stove with a little frying pan, a little egg in there. And I thought, I don't, I hope this goes over okay. And I don't know if CPS called on me, but it was a Montessori school. So that's helpful. Yeah. <laughs> a little more yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, that's we so funny. Our kids go to progressive. Isn't it so silly that somebody would freak out? I mean, you know, we were right there. I was at a festival this summer and the firefighters had this awesome display set up. They had all these like puzzles and they talked about how doing brain games like helps kids think under pressure. Right. And like, it was an amazing display. Really well done, except for this one part. They go, Mom, there's a note for you over on like the play kitchen. So I thought, oh, good. And I go and read the note and it says, parents, set up a three-foot safety zone around your stove. And I was like, oh, that's not my language. Uh And let's talk about that, Katie, because... That is really interesting. So I I haven't let my children cook anything yet. They bake with me. I've never let them use the stove. They're seven. They just turned seven, five, and two. And in fact, it's always like, don't come too close to the stove. So I would love to hear. I would love to hear about this. I set up rules. 
there's accidents that happen because kids explore without their parents showing them the rules, mm-hmm. like anything else, right? And you have to know your kids. You know, you might have an impulsive kid and that's not a good idea, but certain kids like Katie, you, I mean, don't, I don't know. I'm speaking for you. I mean, what do you feel about that? Yeah. I want to hear this. This is this. I mean, this is yeah. opening up a brand new world for me. I love it. Well, this is fun. So Dr. Cleopatra, your five and seven-year-old are perfect examples. If you look at your five-year-old's like reading ability and writing, the writing's really like big and, and uneven, right? Because small motor control is not there. Seven-year-old, some seven-year-olds are reading chapter books. They're yeah. writing paragraphs. They're creatively like, and their writing is much smaller. Mm-hmm. And so the explosion of knowledge in, in academia between mm-hmm. kindergarten and second grade, incredible, mm-hmm. right? The reading, the writing, the small motor control, it's insane. And yet at home, we often tend to just still have them kind of folding the towels, the easy stuff, dumping in spices that we have measured, stirring, same stuff. And so I think that's something that I like to try to jolt parents' brains and say, you know, they have, a, they have such a developmental increase in those years, we can have those responsibilities increase. So I do think a lot of kids at age six and seven are mature enough for the stove that they can read they know a lot of rules. They can follow a lot of linguistic rules. They can follow a lot of safety rules too. My seven-year-old is totally mature enough for the stove and probably my five-year-old is too, but it never, and I was cooking by the time I was five, like fully cooking, like Dr. Rose said, because my mom wasn't alive and we had no choice. And so even though I did it, it never occurred to me that that was something that either I wanted to do or could do with my kiddos. So that's really, really cool. Thank you for that. Like well, and there's so many developmental, you know, there's so many, you brought up cutting and things like that. Like we started, mm-hmm. gosh, you know, those knives that the little kids get, we started with that and we started with a plastic knife and hopefully you'll talk more about it. I don't think John Carlo, my, you know, both my kids were two before we started doing that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Peeling potatoes. What my favorite part, there's so many parts about teaching kids to cook that I love. I could go on and on and on. It's just one of my all-time favorite activities. I love to connect in cooking. You know, um, they learn to learn about math. This. My kids know the nutrient value of anything. You'd be like, what's in this right here? And they're like, it's vitamin A, right? You know, we do a lot of learning. They eat better because they take ownership. But I think my favorite thing is that they develop such self-confidence and pride. My kids, you know, are nine and six, 15. And they, they love to cook. They take a lot of pride in that. I take a lot of pride in my cooking too. So awesome. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, why aren't more parents teaching their kids to cook? I mean, I think Dr. Cleopatra is a product of our society, right? We're pretty bubble wrapped. We're Mm -hmm. into the helmets, different from my childhood, at least. So I think a lot of parents have safety concerns, but some are just kids are too messy. Kids are too slow. You know, for a lot of moms, the kitchen's their haven. It's the end of the day. They get to go in and like, it's so much easier to say, nah, mama's got this. You go play right? Or plug them into a screen or whatever, even if it's productive outdoor play, it's so much easier not to interrupt them. And little kids are probably asking, but it's still, you know, it's going to slow you down. And if you don't get dinner on the table by five, somebody's missing soccer at six, right? It's very difficult. It's an investment. And so that's kind of my job is to teach people like why this is so important 
that we need to get over our own brains and and say mm-hmm. yes. Um, so my I favorite love, research. Katie, I love how you call it an investment. It is so good. It really is an investment on all those levels, right? There's so many different ways to help kids. Yes, it is going to be messier. um, I'm still reading a newspaper every day and I sometimes just put out newspaper right that's what I do I recycle the newspaper there's lots of things you know I don't know those kind of things don't bother me everyone has to work within their comfort level but it's it is really interesting you're right there's there are reasons why busyness is the reality you know when we get I make sure at least on Sundays when I do a lot of bulk cooking Mm-hmm. Those kids are there. Yes. Right. The good thing I, is, is you get an ROI. I mean, you do get a return on that investment. So like I have not cooked Sunday dinner for three years because since my kids were nine and 12, been making dinner and that started out of a need. That. Like I wanted to volunteer at high school youth group at church. My husband was like, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. This is what's going to happen. You're going to be halfway through making dinner because you'll start late and you'll be like, ah, like here, everybody eat this stupid food and you'll run out of the house to church, you know, group. But that was not going to happen. He's like, we can't do it. So I asked my two kids, Paul and Leah, I said, would you guys be willing to make dinner every Sunday so mom can serve the high school kids? So that was mm-hmm. our like, How the, beautiful. it took the whole family to get me out of the house. Mm-hmm. How beautiful that. is that? That's so wonderful. Katie, you were going to say um, your, your favorite thing is what, what oh, was the favorite thing? There's this um, fascinating research done by some American sociologists where they were studying like chores around the world. So they're interviewing, mm-hmm. you know, like middle eight, middle elementary kids, eight, nine year olds. What do you do for chores? And in other countries, not America, kids are just bubbling over saying, Oh, I do the laundry and I clean the house and I cook these meals. And they're looking at each other like, this is not our experience in America. And the theory, their hypothesis was that in these other countries, the parents were giving responsibilities very young, age two, age three. And that's when those kids, like, they think it's fun, right? They think you get to vacuum the living room as a privilege, not a chore. And so the idea is, and so Dr. Blake, you've got a two and a five-year-old, they may still have that intrinsic motivation. If you can keep that as an unbroken line of motivation, they'll love doing those responsibilities at age eight and nine. But it's when we as Americans sometimes say, oh, like, it's okay. You don't, I don't want you in the kitchen, right? We literally are training those neural pathways. I don't belong in the kitchen. Mm. And then when they're eight or nine or 10 and we say, couldn't you come help? Mom, I want to teach you something in the kitchen. They're like, meh. Sorry. So interesting. I have, a, I think, a little bit of a personal revolt because I started cooking and cleaning so early in my life out of necessity that I don't really want to do it. And I don't really want to have a strong desire to pass that on. But I do see how valuable it is. And, and I like doing it when it's fun, like when we bake, mainly they're raw treats that we make. But that is so, such a fun thing for us to do together. I see them learning about math. I see how much pride they take in eating what we've baked. And it's a really fun bonding experience. And I look at that really differently. I think that it's just a reminder that this also can be a really beautiful experience that I share with my children, making meals and keeping the house tidy and all of that. Yeah. Anytime I tell someone what I do, they're like, oh, that's that's so interesting. And typically within two minutes, one of two things happens. They tell me a story about baking with their grandmother or their mother. Yeah. Or they whip out their cell phone and they show me something their kids have made in the last month. 
Yeah, because we build these histories around food. That's how yeah. we connect. And so we know that's mental health protective. I know you guys are all about that. Mm-hmm. And I, that, I mean, I just, I love watching that happen in our member families where they're like working together in the kitchen toward that common goal. And it really builds mm-hmm. strong bonds. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and you always say that, you know, working in the kitchen is much more than kitchen work and like listen to the long list of benefits that we're talking about, you know, mental health, self-confidence. Yeah. And also, too, enjoying the food, really being willing. Cleopatra and I, and I know you, all three of us are moms, where people always remark at how well our children eat. Mm-hmm. And they're often shocked so at what yeah. my kids will eat. So talk a little bit about that and how when kids take pride and, and they make things, like what happens to them with food? What's their relationship with food like? Yeah, there's so much cool science behind like being involved in the kitchen and that helping increase your, you know, widen your palate, increase the number of foods you're willing to eat. Part of it's just that open loop, right? Humans Mm -hmm. don't really like the feeling of an open loop. So if you're involved at the beginning of something, (laughs) there's something in kids' brains that kind of makes them want to finish it and finishing it is eating it, right? We know that like 25% of our members say that their kids have tried something new that they never thought they would. And I, one of my so favorite cool. stories. That, that is awesome. That is that. so awesome. Yeah. yeah. And we know a lot of the other 75% were already good eaters, right? So like, that's still a pretty big number. Mm-hmm. But one of my favorite stories, um, one of our member moms, Stephanie, taught her two girls and two neighbor girls. And they went through beginner. I mean, these girls were older, like probably 10 to 12. But they started at the beginner. They did every single lesson. And one of the times she shared a picture of like some boys all of a sudden are in the shot. She said, yeah, the brothers and the neighbor boys had to start coming in to see what was going on. They made stir fry and all the girls were like, yeah, we're not eating these vegetables. They ate them. The brothers are trying these green smoothies, you know? So it was like this ripple effect even beyond. It was like positive peer pressure. So it it definitely helps. And also you sort of inoculate your senses too. So especially Mm -hmm. for really picky eaters, if there's some power struggles at the table, the kids get stressed. Every time they see something on their plate, they feel like they have to eat it, even if you don't say that. But when you're in the kitchen, that pressure is gone. Mm -hmm. They don't feel like they have to eat it. So they can engage with the food. And we know that every exposure to food sort of counts to fill what I call the exposure bucket, right? And your really picky eaters are going to need maybe 100 or 200 encounters with food. Well, I don't want to put a piece of broccoli on my kid's plate 200 times. So it's awesome to know. No, you don't. No. (laughs) It's great for parents to hear that. Hey, guess what? Washing it, cutting it, cooking it, serving it, passing it at the table. Every exposure sensorily counts to fill that bucket faster. So that's really, that's really exciting too. And I always said to my kids, you know, like, hey, we're going to make this and I'm so proud of you that, you know, you're making this and, you know, give it a try. If you don't like it, that's okay. It just mm-hmm. always took the pressure off them. And mm-hmm. they really, my kids try everything. They don't know another way. Like, it's just, <laughs> like and we've never eaten off a kid's menu either because that's not real food most places. Mm-hmm. So um, their, yeah. their taste buds are different, you know, and this is just such a wonderful, I really, really, really truly believe that our kids, my kids making their own food right from the get-go in many different ways, cutting, full preparation, spicing, picking menus. Uh, You know, we go into, we have an organic market that just has fruits and vegetables, mostly like 90%. And I say, pick out anything you want and we'll make a recipe. 
So just having fun. I love it. And what a like, it's like, they're like gems in front of you when you walk into a place like that. It's so Yeah, great. you know, and they love all that. They like, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, let's find a recipe for um, a watermelon radishes. That's how we found watermelon radishes. And how fun was that? Oh, I love those in my kale salad. Yeah, oh my God, I love those. Love yes, them. me too. How fun is that? So tell us about what it's like to do this with four children at home. So, and at what ages did you start doing it with all four of them together? Sure. So, I mean, when you have one child, everything's a little easier. So we, I do have pictures of him even before his second birthday, like cutting up already cooked potatoes for potato salad and stuff. Um, so he was in the kitchen really early. And then, and I remember this like terrible moment where So they're three years apart, Paul and Leah. So the sister, you know, he's four and he's kind of had his own way his whole life. (laughs) She's one and she's just getting so excited to be involved in everything. So I had both of them up on chairs in the kitchen thinking this is going to be this lovely experience. It was a disaster because I handed her something I thought she could handle. She like cut herself. Things are falling over. And I was like, I cannot do this with two. So I didn't know. I mean, obviously I didn't know what I was doing. We all start in failure, right? Now I tend to like one of my big tips for parents is don't teach new skills right before dinner. Uh So if you have a time pressure, like that's not the time to invite them in the first time. And that's probably what I was feeling. I was trying to do it all at once. So Mm -hmm. I prefer to teach kids outside of dinner. You know, we get a skill built in one age group and then you pull in the second age group, right? Mm -hmm. So then the first child can like practice their skill. The second child can do their skill. So I created my course four years ago. And so the fourth one was a baby. He didn't really, you know, participate yet, but I had a preschooler, I had an early L and I had an upper L. So that's kind of how I designed the courses that they all work at their own developmental level. Mm -hmm. But then I did choose foods that whatever they're making, it sort of merges into one meal or snack. So that's one reason big families sort of gravitate to our class because there's so few things you can do, like fun family activities. So fun. With yeah. a three-year-old and a 12-year-old very easily. So yeah. it's really nice that the different levels can sort of come together. Everyone's doing their own thing. I tell parents to get the little ones at the table. There's never enough elbow room in the kitchen, right? So just that simple tip, like I just had a mom tell me a tip about putting the kids at the table has changed everything. It like reduced her stress level so much because then she can still have Mm -hmm. her kitchen Mm -hmm. and they're at the table. So like your seven-year-old Dr. Cleopatra would be, should stand at the table. Cause if you think about Mm -hmm. like a counter is belly button height, usually Mm -hmm. on an adult. And that's right about where a table is going to hit a seven-year-old. Your two-year-old, your five-year-old might need to be on their knees on a chair because they always Mm want to be above the food. I tell the kids they have to be the boss of the food. They got to be able to see what they're doing. So just, I mean, such simple little environment changes, but it can make a huge difference. in. I love that so much. That's so fun. I'm definitely going to put that to use. Thank you for that. That's incredible. And you know, you're breaking it down developmentally, which is awesome. Awesome. That's your teacher background. Mm-hmm. But also, too, the more kids do this, like, you know, what happens, right? They get more independent. They get more comfortable. Look at what your kid did for you. You can go and volunteer on Sundays. Like, yes, oh, they're making Sunday dinner. Yes. Yep. And they can train each other. So, you know, my littlest is five. And so it's, I look at him and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's so behind. <laughs> he doesn't know as much as anyone else knew at five because, you know, the the last one, like you forget like, oh, I forgot to teach you that. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's- I awesome. left him on the roof of the car when he was <laughs> I just kidding. They're, they're the extra. Um, <laughs> but it's great because I can say, all right, like Gabe needs to learn his measuring skills better 
And I can assign that to Paul or Leah at age 14 and 11, and they can teach him. So that's my trickle down effect, like teach the top ones right. And then <laughs> yes. it all down is beautiful. <laughs> and it's a nice way for them to connect. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, cause it gets, you're right, Katie, it gets harder with your kids to find a joint family activity that everybody can enjoy. And cooking for sure in our house is one of those. It's lovely. It's quite lovely. Talk to us about some of the things that, you know, walk us through your program a little bit and what people can actually learn. Because I've known you and I know that you do X, Y, and Z, but I'm like, she just has a course where kids learn how to cook. I'm thinking your, your tips right now are unbelievable. Like that's fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah. My superpower is definitely making things practical. Right. So the the course is all videos, which means mom doesn't have to be super comfortable or super confident in her own skills. Right. Like I will do the demonstrating. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay if you don't know exactly what you're doing, because most of my generation was not taught to cook. (laughs) I think you're you're the anomaly to Cleopatra. So we we do split them up into the levels. Sort of the beginner is preschool. Intermediate would be age six and up. Advanced would be age eight and up. But you got to know the intermediate skills. So preschool, we're working on all that, that fine motor, pouring, measuring. I like to give kids that age something they can do independently. So we rename the measuring spoons, dad, mom, kid, baby. Oh, I love it. Anybody can catch on to that. Even if that's not your family structure, that's okay. You know, and that way you have this vocabulary where I can be in the kitchen. My four-year-old can be in the, you know, at the table, I can say, find the mommy spoon, measure a mommy spoon of salt into that bowl. I can kind of check it put it into my pot, ask them to do the oregano, put it into my pot. And so it doesn't matter how long it takes. It can be slow. Mm-hmm. It can be messy because I'm still working away, but now I have the verbal language that they don't, they don't have to read the fractions. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's a great way to give those kids a job. And then at dinner, you say, oh, guess who helped with the soup? Mm-hmm. Guess why the soup tastes so good, right? Because Gabe did all the seasoning. And then now they definitely want to come back. Mm-hmm. And so there's our preschool level is really giving them, you know, that like connection with mom in the kitchen, small motor skills at our intermediate level. We teach them how to read a recipe well. So they got to be readers, get those sharp knives in their hands and we get them at the stove. Those are the big three. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're really focusing on confidence there. That idea of like, I can do this. I can literally fulfill a basic human need and mm-hmm. nourish other people. They feel so good about that. And once they've mastered those skills, they can move into the advanced level. And that's where like half of those eight classes are chef knife skills and really breaking down like the full meal. How do you balance two recipes at once? How do you start to tweak recipes, make them your own, you know, smelling different spices and what matches together. So that's where we're really doing kind of the creativity And I love that because teachers usually say, you know, in this world of screens, kids aren't bored enough to get creative. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. And in the kitchen, I love that. And creative artistically. So by the time kids graduate the course, they should have the basic, about 30 basic building block skills to make any recipe they come across. So that was super important to me too. Like it's not about the food. It's not about the recipes. It's about the skills. So you can swap out recipes that fit your family, that fit your allergies. Uh, we know like one third of our kids they have food allergies, which makes sense. Their families know they have to cook. That's not safe. Yeah. Not to learn not to cook. That is incredible. I love that you're teaching them about 
making recipes their own that and and how to how to complete a meal like juggling multiple dishes at one time it's still and, hard for me yeah I was gonna say I think I, mean, I, I need to learn that better um that's incredible and because one of the things I love about that so I, I rarely use recipes and I but I have a, a lot of experience but it, I think it's like you just you trust yourself when you're like oh I I know what to put in there I know it would make this even better or and and that's a beautiful thing to give to children that trust in themselves mm-hmm. and their great creativity and a, and a lot of people I was talking to somebody who works for me today who's lovely and she's 24 and she said she was never taught to cook no. because neither one of her parents can cook and I was like oh you know <laughs> my mother anytime she calls me says what are you what are you cooking or if you go to a wedding you don't ask about the wedding you say what did they serve <laughs> <laughs> so we're so you know it's the base of our culture so much love comes through food right and so you know I you know what she was telling me today was that you know she didn't know how to cook and she wished that she could so I was like I'm gonna give you my top tips Right. (laughs) Everybody always over focuses on the ingredients. It's actually the process. And then being able to do what you just said, Katie, like, I don't have this, but this is a good substitute. And having that, Mm -hmm. you know, such a great skill. They, you know, if you go to like, I've had numerous students who um, because of their food allergies can't eat at the dining hall in college. And Mm -hmm. so they live off campus or live in campus housing and have to cook their own food. And colleges are getting better. I'm I'm saying they are. But a lot of colleges also, when they do like allergy dining, it's boring. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like the worst thing. So you're like really teaching these kids to be independent about it, but also how to make, bring flavor into your food, Mm -hmm. which I think is missing in the American diet because they're eating so much junk that they don't know what real flavor is like. Yeah, we focus a lot on vegetables too, you know, and so that's automatically allergy friendly, but fully a fourth of the the lessons are knife skills. Because I think if you are going to eat healthy, the produce section's locked if you don't know how to cut your food, you know, cut it up. Yeah. Great point. point. Right. You know, and people don't know how to teach their kids knife skills, right? They're afraid they're going to get hurt. Yeah. I mean, we make it, I've, I've had so many parents say like, so scared of this, but we had a great experience with knives and fire. Like who would have thought? That was amazing. <laughs> um, but I, we use a lot of fun, like mnemonic phrases to teach the safety techniques. So not only do the parents and kids have a common vocabulary, but it's easy to remember. It makes it fun. So we teach like four ways to hold the knife, three ways to hold the food, fun phrases like up and over soldier and tug of war pull and rock a by baby. It makes it easy for the families to understand where the fingers go, right? We always say, stand up your fingers like a soldier. Don't stick your finger out down the food or it's saying, pick me, pick me. I'm going to be cut <laughs> off today. And so, you know, we just, we have That's a lot of good horrible, Katie. That is really incredible. I love yeah. that. But again, you're teaching safety, right? You're yeah. having clear language. You're empowering them. You know, everybody knows what the rules are. And you're yep. taking a lot of those barriers to some of the reasons why parents don't do it. Which is so cool. I think as people are, I've been super, you know, holistic my entire life. And, you know, as a practitioner for almost 30 years working holistically, I have seen a nice shift in the last 10 years. I would say really the last seven or eight where people are 
being more aware about food and trying to eat healthier. And I think it's awesome, you know? And so this is just another tool, you know, it's not just a tool. It's actually a foundational piece. It really is. Their kids Mm -hmm. love their food, help them to love themselves because they're so much more self-confident. And I think about it. I mean, you think about, you know, Cleopatra, you didn't have a mom. It was like rough, you know, you, Cleopatra, you know, her dad was working real hard to provide for them. You know, when I think back to my cooking at seven and I visualize myself at the stove on one of those old plastic lawn chairs and <laughs> and making eggs, right? That was my first foray into cooking. And I just think of that as such a prideful time. My parents were not bubble wrap parents. Definitely <laughs> uh, let us fly. When I was 12, my mother said, you'll be doing all the Christmas shopping and wrapping now. Here's the money. Hire family. Awesome. It's and so go awesome. ahead. And I was like... I got it. It's going to be the best <laughs> Christmas ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. I love it so much. <laughs> you know, so everybody benefits. And I'm, well, of course, I'm super independent. And then the next year, prior to internet, of course, in the 80s, age 13, my dad said to my sister, who was 16, you girls are going to plan the family vacation. Here's the week we're going. Wow. Take care of it. That's incredible. I love that. We went to the Bahamas. Those are are some some good life skills. I like that. Planning your vacation. (laughs) You know, you don't have to jump into that, right? But my parents let us be very independent. And for us, I I remember it as starting with cooking and feeling super confident, you know, in myself. And it's definitely a huge reason why I am super confident. (laughs) as an adult and always just always kind of am because I had this ability that I was really good at something. So it just brings so many lovely things, Katie. It's pretty exciting what you get to do um, and how you get to teach people this wonderful foundational skill. Yeah. I think it really makes a difference in families too. Like we just hear from so many moms who like they have a baby or they're sick in bed and their seven-year-old brings them breakfast. Or I just saw pictures the other day. Um, one was, I think she had just had twins and wow. told her, her daughter said, what do you want for breakfast, mom? The daughter's nine. And she oh, said, well, I want to make sure I have a fruit, a protein. And I forget what the other thing was. So her daughter made this little menu, little check boxes and made her breakfast in bed. And I mean, how good does that little girl feel? Maybe not go to the Bahamas good, but still really be, confident in herself. That's what's next. That is incredible. And that she's helping, you know, take care of her mom and mm-hmm. helping take care of her new, the new babies. That is so beautiful. Yeah. What an incredible skill. Yeah. I mean, and this becomes like, I share my stories, right. Um, is a different, you know, my parents are who they are and, and not every parent has that comfortableness and also the eighties are long gone. So, um, <laughs> the days of riding your bikes until dawn, you know, like are over. Yeah. It just started smelling really good in my house. So I have to tell you it's kids cooking night. I was yeah. really like, who's burning something? Oh, yeah. oh, oh, like, oh, that smells good. Like yeah. oh, dinner is happening right now. And I am in the office and you didn't You're- do it. Right. And that's what I was going to say. Leads to independence in not just in cooking, 
but in other areas, right? Like, so mm-hmm. for parents that are concerned and, and, you know, I'm saying this as a psychologist, when you give the tools to be independent in other areas, it does transfer over. They start getting more independent about their schoolwork or um, maybe even their room, you know, like just different things, you know, right? I can't speak to the room, but I will <laughs> say, like I wish. oh man. So my daughter, Leah, last year in fifth grade ran for class office. And she's like, that's interesting because she's very reserved. But when I read the little speech that she had to do for her class, she said, I cook dinner for my family every Sunday. And I watch my little brothers. Sometimes my mom and dad are working. And you could tell that she just had such a poise about that, that she knows not all fifth graders could do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, she did lose to the kid who gave candy to everyone in mm-hmm. class, but that's another conversation. <laughs> yes. And it just shows you what you've given her in the process of, mm-hmm. of teaching her and doing these activities with her. So if people want to learn more about your class, again, tell us the name again of the class. I know Dr. Roseanne mentioned it when she read your bio in the very beginning. Yep, it's the Kids Cook Real Foodie course. And let's start by just giving your audience something. Let's get knives in all the kids' hands. I love Um, that. Every time we ask our members' favorite classes, our basic knife skills and safety, those four ways to hold the food, three ways to hold the knife, I talked about. So I'll make sure you have a link, kidscookrealfood.com slash coffee talk. And just a special gift, your audience can access that lesson for free. And that's that's butter knives to chef's knives. We teach the same holds because we want kids to get used to it at age two. And it's mm-hmm. easier. It's more confident for parents and kids to then shift to a sharp knife. It's not as scary if you're already doing it. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. What a great gift. I love that. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Katie. I'm going to have my kid, my youngest, do it. Even though yeah. it's pretty good, I think he can learn more. Absolutely. It's like a wonderful gift. So I hope everybody does that for sure. We'll have, you know, Katie, we'll have all your info. And, you know, as we kind of leave, what, you know, you gave us so many valuable tips and tools. You know, is there anything you want to say to parents? Or is there a tip you have for parents to help ignite, you know, kids' love of either food or cooking? Or, you know, I know you always are so great about giving information to parents. Sure. Well, let's talk about one quick tip for the table, right? Because if we're going to be cooking together, we should be eating together. I know that's a challenge for busy, busy families, but so important. So what do we do to supercharge that time at the table? So I'll just share a quick strategy we use. Um, Sometimes we do a rose and a thorn. I know that's common, like the high and low of your day, but we also will do our three L's. And that's when did you laugh today? What did you learn? And how did you love someone else? Oh, and the conversations that. are really good with that one. Mm-hmm. I love that, Katie. That's lovely. That is beautiful. Yeah. beautiful. And what a way to focus on the positive. Yeah, because yeah. you usually get laughing together, right? Which is great for mental health. And then if sometimes they can't think of like how they love someone, but I think that's great because that's going to train them to like be more servant minded, hopefully in the following days. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. That is gorgeous. I love that so much. We do appreciations at dinner and I think we'll, we'll experiment with adding the three L's. I love that. Thank you so much for being here, Katie. What a gift to learn from you. I've just had a whole world open up for me that I kind of had not even been considering for a really long time from this conversation and so many great tips that you've given our community and this generous gift. Thank you so much for being here and for the incredible and unique work that you're doing out in the world. 
Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you. I cannot wait to hear what your kids do. Yes, thank you. I'll report back. I'm excited. Thank you so much, Dr. Rowe. So good to be here with you again today, Katie. So good to have you. Thank you everyone for being here with us and we will see you next time. Hi there, precious mama. This is Dr. Cleopatra, the fertility strategist and the executive director of the Fertility and Pregnancy Institute. I cannot wait for you to come over and visit us at fertilitypregnancy.org. And I want you to make sure that you stop in and you download the free ultimate fertility checklist. You will learn so much about your fertility that no one has ever told you before, including about the primester and epigenetics during the primester. Don't waste another moment without coming to see us at fertilitypregnancy.org. Every single day matters when it comes to preserving, extending, and igniting our fertility and ensuring that we get to have as many super babies as our heart desires when it's the right time in our lives. I'll see you there. Sending you so much love and warmest wishes and I'm sprinkling all the baby dust in your direction for whenever you want it.